Our reading is from Genesis chapter 22, Genesis 22, starting at verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, The Lord Will Provide. And to this day it said, On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through you, your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this passage tells the story of the time when God tested Abraham. Abraham was the, the, the Hebrew patriarch. This is the time God tested Abraham to determine whether or not Abraham truly feared the Lord. Whether, whether Abraham's faith in God was genuine or whether it was just fake. And so to explore this story with you, that there basically I just want to touch on two points. First, I want to talk about the test, all right, the test that Abraham had to face. And then I want to talk about hope for those who fail the test, all right? So the test and then hope for those who fail. We'll start with the, the test. A Abraham, at this point in his life, you, you may know his story. He had been following the Lord for a long, long time, and God had blessed Abraham greatly. Abraham, we read, was a very, very wealthy man. He had flocks and herds and, you know, hundreds of servants who were working for him. He was, he was a very wealthy man. He was also evidently a very healthy man. 
At the, this point in the story, he's, he's way over 100 years old, and yet, do you, do you see what's going on? He's chopping wood, he's hiking cross-country, he's climbing up a mountain with his son. I mean, he's, he, is, he is the picture of health. So, so he's wealthy, he's healthy, and in, in addition to those things, at this, at this point in his life, Abraham finally had the family of his dreams. So you, you may know this story. So God, when he called Abraham, God promised that Abraham and his wife Sarah would have a son, that, and that through this son they would have descendants. He promised them a son, and yet they struggled for years with infertility. They, they could not conceive a child. And then after many, many years of, 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 of struggling and doubting and trusting and praying, after many years, finally, just miraculously, God allowed Sarah to conceive. And they had their little boy, the, the promised son, and he's the son mentioned here, Isaac. So that's, that's the kind of man Abraham is. He's very wealthy. He's very healthy. He's got the perfect family, right? And yet God says, hey, we need to test this guy to see if he really has faith in me. Now, if you if you think about it, that you know that that might catch some people today by surprise. There, there are there are some preachers who who teach that. Listen, if you have the right right kind of faith in God, and if you have enough of that kind of faith, God will prosper you in every way. Your your finances will be blessed. Your health will be blessed. Your, you in other words, they teach that health and wealth are indications of genuine faith. Well, Abraham was healthy. Abraham was wealthy, and yet God apparently is saying, you know, that, that doesn't mean he has faith. We, we still have to test this guy. Now, now, there are other preachers who will teach that if, if, if you honor the Lord with your life and you walk in the paths of, of Jesus, you this will have a direct positive impact on your family life. Your family life will be great. God will bring you the, the perfect spouse just for you. Your marriage will be a very happy one. Your children will flourish in every way you can think of. In other words, they teach that healthy family life is the fruit of, of, of faithfulness and devotion to God. Well, a Abraham had the family of his dreams, right? And yet God says, you know, that that doesn't mean diddly. That doesn't mean anything. We still have to test this guy to see if he has faith. So, so what, isn't that amazing? What, what was it that God was looking for to determine whether or not Abraham's faith and devotion were real? It wasn't health. It wasn't wealth. It wasn't perfect family life. Well, what was God looking like for? Well, you know the answer. God was looking for obedience. Just simple obedience. Would Abraham, or would he not obey the word of the Lord, right? Even if God asked him to do something just unspeakably hard, would Abraham obey? Sometime later, God asked Abraham, tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied, verse 2. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. Would Abraham obey? Well, you know the story. I just read it for you. <laughs> Abraham 
Not only did he pass the test, man, he aced the test, right? I mean, you, you, if you notice the details that are included here in, in, in the narrative, you, they, they, they seem to emphasize the, the thoroughness of Abraham's obedience. Verse, verse 3, it, it says this, Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. Early the next morning, he did this. I, I wonder if, uh, I wonder if, have you ever struggled with some issue of, of obedience in your life? And, and, you know, eventually you come around to doing what God wants you to do, but it takes a long time for you to get there. Has it ever Maybe there's someone, for example, you need to apologize to. You need to ask them to forgive you, or maybe there's some debt you need to pay. You know, you owe money to someone, or maybe maybe you, God's been speaking to you about getting involved in really helping the poor, and, you, you know, eventually you get there. Eventually you get around to obeying God, but, the, you know, it takes a long time. Has that ever happened to you? That's Listen, that's not the way... It, was for Abraham in this story. Early the next morning, before the sun is up, he's he's out there loading his donkey. He's ready to obey God. Just obeyed God immediately. You, you, you notice also here, did you notice what it, what it is that Abraham took with him on his journey? These details are given to us. He took he took some wood, right? He took some fire. Hmm? He took he took a knife. But did you notice he did not take a lamb? He didn't take any animal that might be used as the sacrifice. Uh, Romans chapter 13 verse 14 says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and, it says, Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. In other words, don't, don't, don't give yourself a plan B that you might take if, if obedience gets too hard. right? And we can understand that. Like if, listen... If I go on a diet and I'm serious about that diet, I don't, I don't buy a pint of ice cream, you know, in case company comes over, right? Because that's, that's going to trip me up. But in the same way, if you're serious about following Christ, you, you don't allow things into your life that, that might trip you up, that might tempt you to disobey. And, and, and did you notice that's the way Abraham is here? He doesn't, he doesn't bring a lamb with him. He's like, I don't want to get up on the mountain and chicken out. And, you know, God is asking me to offer Isaac and maybe I'll have a, a plan B. I don't want a plan B. I want to obey God. So if, if you were asked, what adjectives would you use to describe Abraham's obedience in this passage? What, what would you say? His obedience was maybe immediate. It was, it was unflinching. It was, it was unquestioning. It was... His obedience, would you agree with this? His obedience was thorough in every way. We get to the, the, the high point of the, of the narrative just as he's about to plunge his knife into the chest of this little boy he loves so much. The angel of the Lord swoops down and stops him and says, don't do it, don't do it, Abraham. This was, this was just a test. And you passed the test. And end of verse 12, the angel says this to him. Um, Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. He's he's saying, Abraham, you passed. You you passed the test of obedience. Now in, in in the New Testament, we are told that the test that determines the genuineness of our faith is also obedience. I mean, am, am, I, am I a real Christian or am I just pretending to be a Christian? The, 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 the test is obedience. Matthew 7, verse 21, in the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this. If you heard this verse, he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who what? The one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. 
John 14, verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. 1 John 2, verse 3 says, we, we know that we've come to know the Lord if what? If we keep his commandments. Again, James 2, verse 26, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds, without deeds of obedience, is dead. So that's, that's the test for faith. It's not, are, are you healthy? Are you wealthy? Do you have the perfect family? No, none of that. The test, the test of faith is when God calls you to do something really, really hard, do you obey? That's the test. Now, <laughs> what about people who fail the test? Is there hope? Is there hope for us? Let, let me ask you, have you ever failed a test? Maybe you failed a math test in, in, in school or a science exam. I, I remember when I, was, when I was 19 years old, I failed a driver's test to get my motorcycle license. You had to, had to swerve through these cones and then turn around and come back. And you weren't allowed to put your foot down and touch the pavement. And just as I'm turning around at the end, I put my foot down and that just, sorry, you fail. You're out. You fail. It's, it's, if you ever failed a test, it's a horrible feeling to fail. You, you, just, you just kind of a crushing feeling that you get. Well, I suspect, I suspect that the first people to hear this story, at least, or to hear it in the way that it's relayed to us in this passage, I felt, I, I suspect that they were people who felt like they had failed God's test. You see, the, the longest standing view about the authorship of the book of Genesis. Who wrote this book? The, the, longest, the longest standing view about the authorship of Genesis, and this goes way back to ancient times, well, Jewish scholars, Christian scholars have held this view. The longest standing view about the authorship of this book is that Genesis was written by Moses during the 40 years when the Israelites were wandering around in the wilderness after their exodus from Egypt. And that's, you know, that's quite a thought just to imagine um, those people hearing this story, I just kind of picture the, the, all these um, ancient men and women and their families sitting outside their, their tents in the middle of the wilderness listening to this story that Moses ha has written. And I imagine that when, when they get to the part in the middle of verse 12 where the angel says, Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son. I wonder if they just kind of gulped and just felt deep shame at that moment. Now, the reason I, I wonder this is, is, is because, um, well, you know, why were the Israelites wandering in the wilderness for 40 years? Because they failed the test. They had failed the test of obeying God. Do you know the story of the, of the ancient Israelites? God, they were slaves in Egypt. God took them out of uh, Egypt, rescued them from their slavery. He led them through the desert to the promised land. They get to the very border of the promised land. And God says, now this is the land I am giving you. Go in there. Take it. I will be with you. I'm with you. Take this land. And they said, no. <laughs> no. We're not going in. There's big bad guys in there who hate us. They're going to try to kill us. We don't trust that God can help us. They refuse to go in. And so because of, because of this, this act of defiance and disobedience to God, they, they had to wander in the wilderness before 40 long years. 
Now, if you've ever read the account of, of that moment of disobedience when they, when they rejected God's command and decided not to go into the promised land, you'll find it in, in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. If you ever read that, it's interesting. You'll see that one of the reasons, one of the reasons they refused to obey God is because they were afraid, afraid to risk the welfare of their children. Numbers 14, verse, verse 3, here's what they said. They said, why is the Lord bringing us to this land to let us fall by this, the sword? Our wives and our children, our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to G Egypt? So listen, um, that's why they failed the test. They, they didn't love the Lord enough and respect the Lord enough to trust him with the safety of their children. And I find that very interesting because isn't this something that the test that Abraham passed was the same test they had failed. Imagine, imagine how they're just feeling so guilty as they hear this story. The, the test Abraham passed is the same test they failed. Abraham, You see, Abraham loved God enough to trust God with the welfare of his child, but the people of Israel, they didn't. For, for them, listen, for the people of Israel, protecting their children was more important to them than obeying their God. I bet they felt so guilty as they heard this story. Because why? They had failed the test. And so have I. So have I. Have you? Listen, if... if if proof of genuine faith is unflinching obedience to God, I'm a failure. I, I mean, I am. You know, do you know the Ten Commandments? Um, so in the Ten Commandments, the first commandment, it's put first, I think, because it's the most important. The first commandment says this. Basically says you should never, ever, ever put anything at all in life ahead of your devotion to God. I have broken that rule. The, the third commandment says you should never, ever speak the name of God in a thoughtless or careless way. I have done, I have done that. Have you ever come to church and you're singing about God? You're not even thinking about Him, just pronouncing His name in a thoughtless way? The, the fifth commandment is probably the first commandment I ever broke. It says honor your father and mother. But you know what? For centuries, Christian, Christian scholars have understood that that commandment, if you really understand it, it's not just talking about obeying mommy and daddy. It's talking about we are commanded to show respect and honor to those who are in authority over us. And I have broken that commandment. Have you? The, the ninth commandment, the one don't bear false witness. It just means don't. Listen. Don't deceive people. Don't spin the truth. Don't exaggerate. Don't, don't uh, you know, leave out details in the story to put yourself in a better light. Don't never, ever, ever fail to be honest. Have you broken that commandment? Don't lie. Have you ever lied? So I kind of feel like those ancient Israelites. I mean, I'm reading about Abraham passing the test and I'm just... You know, I'm realizing that I haven't. I've failed it. Would you be willing to admit that you have too? 
So just imagine how these, these ancient Hebrews, these ancient Israelites felt. They're hearing this story. They're getting into it. This is sounding good. And then and, and they get to the point where the angel says to Abraham, Now I know you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son. And they must have just felt crushed because they're realizing, they're thinking maybe God's saying to us, Now I know that you don't fear God. You don't love God. You don't trust God. Why? Because you put protecting your children ahead of obedience to the Lord. They must have just... Listen, isn't shame and guilt, aren't those just horrible emotions? They crush you. And I think that's how they were feeling. This, this shame, this remorse, this guilt, this regret. They don't measure up. They don't pass the test. But then, <laughs> then the angel keeps talking. Verse, verse 15 through 18, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time. Verse 16, and, and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as, as, as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore, your descendants will take possession of, of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. <laughs> I, you know, I imagine when these ancient Hebrews in the wilderness heard those words, their heart must have just skipped a beat. Imagine how they felt. They must have said, wait a minute, did you, did you hear what Moses wrote? Did you hear that? The angel said to, to Abraham that we, Abraham's descendants, we will be blessed because he obeyed the Lord. We failed the test. We failed big time. But we're, did you hear? We're going to take the cities of our enemies. We're still going to get the promised land anyway. Why? Because he obeyed. Even though we failed the test of obedience to God, we, this is what they're realizing. We can, they're thinking we can still receive God's blessing because someone else, Abraham, was willing to give up his son. There's hope. They're saying there's hope even though we failed. So I could be wrong, but I just imagine when they heard those words, the first time they heard this story, I bet they were just dancing around the campfire. Can't you imagine how they felt? Just this incredible joy. Even though we have failed in our obedience to God, we will still receive God's blessing because someone else was willing to give up his son. And guys, listen, Christians, do you realize that that is true for us as well. That's what the gospel teaches. Even though, even though we have failed in our obedience to God, and we all have, all right, we can still receive God's blessing, not, not because Abraham gave up his son, right? No, but, but because God, because God gave up his son. You, you, you know, uh, don't you love this part where they, ain't, um, Abraham is just about to kill his son and, and the angel comes and he stops him and, 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 then, and then Abraham looks up and he sees that there's this ram it's stuck in the bushes up there. His horns are, are caught in the branches and he realizes that God has provided a ram for the sacrifice. I mean, that, that's, isn't that something? That's kind of like what God did for us through Jesus. I, I, I love this. Man, the drama of this, verse 7 and 8, it says that... Um, 
Isaac, they're walking up the mountain together, and Isaac's getting a word, and he says to his, his dad, he says, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replies. And Isaac goes, Dad, the fire and the wood are here, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And it says, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb. God will provide the lamb. God will provide the lamb for the offering, my son. Guys, that's, you know, that's exactly what God did in Jesus, right? God, God provided the lamb just, you know, just as, as, as the ram that was stuck in the, in the bushes, just as that ram stood in as a substitute for Isaac so that Isaac didn't have to die. You know what, guys, when Jesus went to the cross, he was standing in, in as a substitute for anyone and everyone who will trust in him so that we don't have to die, so that we don't have to receive the anger of God. And, and, and just as those ancient Israelites who, who had disobeyed God, they could still receive God's blessing because Abraham obeyed. Guys, even though we've disobeyed God, we, we can still receive God's blessing because Jesus obeyed. Because, because Jesus climbed the hill, the hill called Calvary, to offer himself on the cross in, in our place. We can receive the blessing of God. You know, Galatians 3, verse 7. The Apostle Paul is, is, is writing to people who genetically did not descend from Abraham. All right? But he said to them in Galatians 3, verse 7, he says, those who have faith, he's talking about faith in Jesus, those who have faith in Jesus are children of Abraham. In other words, if, you, if we placed our, our trust in Christ, God considers you spiritually, to be one of Abraham's descendants. In other words, just like those Israelites could receive a blessing they didn't deserve. If you place your trust in Christ, God says you will receive a ble God's blessing that you don't deserve. There's, there's hope for those who fail the test. So, um, two quick questions. First, have you ever, have you ever admitted that you failed the test of obedience? It's, you know, that's really it, the first step to becoming a, a true Christian and knowing the joy that God offers in Christ. The first step is just admitting that you have failed that you have sinned, that you've disobeyed God, that there's, there's like selfishness, self-centeredness, disobedience, just this saturates your soul and just say, God, I'm a failure. I'm not even going to try to pass anymore. That's the first step. Have, have, have you admitted that you failed the test? And then secondly, have, have you placed your trust in Christ, the one who passed the test in your place? Have you, have you, have you trusted in him? If you haven't, I think today would be a good day to start trusting. Really would. So there's hope, even for those of us who failed the test. Now, somebody might ask, is that, hey, does that mean we don't have to obey God? No, no, it doesn't mean that. Here's, here's what it means, however. It means that when you've come to Christ, obedience to God, it now, it's no longer about passing a test. It has nothing to do with earning God's favor. God already gave you an A+. It's not about winning God's favor. You have God's favor. In Christ, guys, obedience is all about joy. It's all about joy. It's all about, it's all about living for the delight of the one who already delights in you. It's no longer a test. It's a joy. Pray, pray with me. Father, thank you for this old ancient story about Abraham. Uh, thank you for the joy it brought your people thousands of years ago. 
to hear that your blessing for them was not based on their performance, it was, but it was based on the obedience of someone else. And thank you that we can have that same joy to know that your love and your blessing and your, and your favor on our life has nothing to do with us passing a test. We could never pass it in the best day of our life. It has to do with what Jesus did on our behalf. And so I, I pray for all of us, for me, for all of us, that, that, that the joy of knowing that love would fill our hearts today so that we would obey you, not, not to earn your favor, but we would obey you because we delight in your love. And I ask this in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen.